A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Yo, yo, it's Andy. This is David. Hi, it's Jan. And I'm Logan. So this episode we're reviewing is episode 13 of season 2, Surprise. It originally aired January 19th, 1998, and was written by Marty Noxon and directed by Michael Lang, which I was super surprised that it was directed by Michael Lang, because I was like, who that? <laughs> and this is such, like, a major episode of the show that uh, it, was, it surprised me that, one, that it wasn't Joss, yeah. but I guess he was busy with the next one, or one of, like, the other major directors, but this was the first time Michael Lang directed, um... On Buffy, like he had directed other things before. Uh, but he'll come back three more times. And I'm like, what, what? Uh, but yeah, he did Band Candy, Bad Girls, and Pangs. So. Yay, Band Candy! Oh. All <laughs> and, good episodes, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we start out this episode, and uh, it's Buffy having one of her prophetic dreams, which we have not had in a while. I think, like, the last time was when she was bad. And this is much more like a Twin Peaks episode. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I noticed, and it's just a side of thing, but I thought it was kind of funny, is just like the first thing that stood out was like, gosh, Buffy goes to sleep with her makeup on because just the lighting is just so obvious that Sarah Michelle Geller is like fully made up, but it's okay. It works. But anyway, cool, cool dream sequence, I think. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about Buffy's prophetic dreams. There seems to be a, a trend in them about her readiness. Um, what's the... Um, What's it? Do you even know what you are, what you'll become? That that um, is that five or seven? Uh, that is the end of season four. That's restless for talking about what's yeah what's going to happen throughout season five. Because um, Joyce asks, "Do you really think you're ready?" Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that's a, a hint to you know her relationship with Angel. Um, but I, I find it interesting that often Buffy's dreams are about if she is capable and if she's really ready to take on the things she needs to take on. Yeah, I yeah. kind of noted that, it, I mean, it's, it obviously it's are you ready sexually, but I almost feel like in a way it's also, are you ready for the responsibility of the Slayer because we know what's going to happen with, with Angel and where she's going to go. Are you ready to kill him? Are you ready to really be the Slayer? So. I kind of I, I felt like there was like a double layer there that it wasn't just the obvious though so. right absolutely well I guess I mean psychologically also it they are prophetic dreams but they're also dreams so maybe it's Buffy also talking to herself about her readiness to do whatever mm-hmm. it is she needs to do to be a good slayer just a thought. Yeah, well, I think it's both because we, I mean, obviously there are things that are prophetic, like the, are you ready and Joyce dropping the dish? Mm-hmm. And also just the fact that she's kind of connected to the psychic net because she doesn't know about the thing with Willow and the monkey and the pants and the hippo. Yeah. 
But but that I thought that was a nice little throwback because of course Buffy has no idea what this is, but the audience knows as you know Willow is sitting there with the monkey. So, I mean, I just kind of think it's like I like the way they do the dream sequences on the show. I think they're always like very effective. Well, and it's something that's going to come up these dream sequences again and again and again, and they are some of the the best of the series. <laughs> and they are they are actually explicit in this episode that not all of Buffy's dreams are prophetic. And they, yeah. you know, what, what, what is, what is they, uh, what did, what did she open with Giles in Vegas? An what office is, supply store. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it, it, it really is kind of unclear how much of this stuff is clear prophecy. Mm-hmm. It does feel a bit Harry Potter though, how often, to be fair, um, <laughs> when it comes to, I don't want to get into a discourse about, the the psychology of harry potter but how often he's like i have these crazy prophetic dreams and i'm like "Mm, (laughs) do you that's gonna be the next Um, podcast jan and i start (laughs) i think so well logan was saying about harry potter i mean i think it's partially you know the information is there for the audience but then we've also got to do like surreal dream dreamy stuff too just to make it dream like quality and not everything has to make sense but the fact that she also picks up on Drusilla, I mean, obviously, again, it's important for the audience to know that she knows about Drusilla. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I agree with Logan about the, the what you said about Harry has some weird vision or dream and nobody believes him. It happens with Buffy constantly. Even Angel's like, oh, what else did you dream? Because I think we've seen visually that there is a clear delineation between some weird ass dream and a slavery. In fact, we never see Buffy's non-Slayer dreams, unless you're talking about Restless. You know? Well, I feel like nobody was, except maybe Angel, was not taking Buffy's dreams seriously. Uh, I mean, especially Giles. Giles did seem to yeah. be like, let's look into this. Of course, one thing I want to know is when Buffy runs over to Angel's house and he's there all shirtless and whatever, but she's com- she's like, uh, we we don't know if Trusilla died. We never found her body. And I'm like, she's a fucking vampire. There'd be no body to find. Right, you dust her, honey. <laughs> oh my well, god, you're right! <laughs> well, that's yeah. true, but my immediate thing was, well, you didn't look which is which which is still still pissing me off since that episode (laughs) yeah they didn't even bother to go through the record they didn't check she was still underwear if they'd gone through it and there was nothing then pile of dust right but But also you think maybe even if there was no body like there would be artifacts perhaps you know i don't know mm -hmm. like when you when a vamp gets dusted all their clothes and all their jewelry and Chachis like go with them, or would there be some? Unless it's like meaningful. Yeah, exactly. True, right. it's, it's yeah. selective. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It they never even selective. went to look for her or Spike. So right, because you know. because as it happens, they would have found bodies. So, <laughs> but but they didn't bother looking. <laughs> no. Er. Well, er, er, uh. Okay, but the angel being shirtless thing is pretty great. Oh, just, I was good. I'm just tossing help- that out there. Yeah, my note is: Does he does he always answer the door shirtless? Is that like a yeah. thing he does? It's in his contract. <laughs> it's it's like mean, the, 
the MCU contract and that, you know, you know, actor X must appear shirtless at least in one scene in, in the entire like episode. <laughs> so, and it just, as an aside, I mean, we'll talk about this more, but can I just say like, even though I'm not a big Angel fan and I'm not necessarily the biggest David Boreanaz fan, he's really excellent in these two episodes. Oh, he's wonderful. Oh. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's really great. I'd say he's excellent Actually, from now until the end of the season. Like, he is good as Angelus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't really care much about Angel, but, like, as Angel, he really just blows everybody away. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with um, David fin- being like, finally, I don't have to do, like, 2005 emo before it even exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was... I- <clears throat> I just kept writing through all my notes in this episode. Oh, the melodrama. You know, it's like, <laughs> and now as an adult, I thought maybe it's just because I watched these episodes so many times that the effect of them isn't as punchy to me anymore. But I mean, they're still great episodes. It's just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're just like, I love you. No, I love you. Oh, <laughs> so look and you know. It's. It, I kind of write it off as like teen angst slash drama soap, which is the point of it all. So you know, yeah. it's not written for me. I'm too old for this stuff now. But when I was like, you know, fifteen, twenty, or whatever, I would have been eating it up with a spoon. So I, mm. I was like, you know, fourteen when I was watching yeah. this, and I still thought it was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I um, totally bought. I bought all of it. Book, I, I'm just glad the I want to die dialogue is behind us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 16-year-old. Which is, which is Buffy's, you know, just turned 17-year-old. Yeah. So for Buffy's end, it makes a lot of sense. She says, you know, coming up on the next scene, she says, she asks Willow, what if I never feel this way again? And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, Buffy, you totally will. But I totally understand at the age you're at, you, everything is so immediate and so fresh and you can never see sort of future kind of stuff. But for Angel, I'm like, dude, come on. I mean, he's really yeah. emotionally stunted, so I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I have to say, I, I, I get all this, but I, I mean, in my notes, I actually have from the scene with her and Willow, with Buffy and Willow. Is just like I, I've suddenly realized I've, I've reached that point in my life where I no longer have the patience for this teenage crap. I, <laughs> I, I have that almost exact same note. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I mean, I, mean, I understand I'm just it. I'm just like, like, oh, girls. Well, exactly. I understand it, but I'm like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> grow the hell up. <laughs> yeah. I know. Basically, you know yes. I, I I taught adolescence for quite a long time, and so I'm like. All right, I get it. I'm. I don't know. I think I'm easier on teenagers, teenage emotions. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, I am. I've seen this way too many times in too many sections of my life, so it doesn't have that same power. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was super powerful back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just officially old and cranky at this point. That's all. Well, hey, I'm older and crankier, so yes. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think if I was watching this just to watch it and sit down and watch it, I would probably get the emotional investment mm. out of it again. But when I'm sitting down to watch it for the podcast, obviously I'm focusing on different things. So, I don't know. Mm. But, yeah. So, should we move on to the scene with Willow? Yeah. I think we've already kind of moved on to that one. So, yes, yeah. let's yeah. talk about the scene with Willow shows off how really Buffy's ready, but she's not ready ready 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it like does. the body's hot to go, but she's really not. It's actually really funny. Buffy won't be mature enough to handle this until she's already handled it. Yeah, I think that's really yeah. true for a lot of girls her age, though. You yeah. have to learn how to handle. You know what I mean? You never really know what you're ready for until it happens, right? Yeah, right. and then, and then you have to be in the moment and then kind of process it afterwards. So yeah, so shit. In a, se- in a sense, she's ready, but she's not prepared. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. She's ready to she's ready to do this, but she doesn't really know what she's getting into. Yeah, well, I think that's actually very realistic. I mean, just yeah. obviously, it's been a long, long time since I've been in her situation. But I mean, it's like you know, it's people kind of. I mean, it, this maybe a little bit politically incorrect i don't know but in terms of like sexuality and teen sexuality you think you're ready your body is certainly ready for this stuff way before you're mentally and emotionally prepared for that stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i mean it the fact that buffy has waited for as long as she has actually is showing she's showing some signs of caution as compared to just like jumping into things immediately and i mean i, I think it's I think it's good but it's like that's what people that age are i mean you're seething massive hormones and you know, you're not all the slayer and trying to save the world, so. Yeah. Well, and, and she is ready, but probably not prepared. I mean, I mean, this is the 90s. Yes, there was actually comprehensive sex education back then. I remember that before all the bullshit crap that happened with the Department of Ed later on. But anyway, but she's also not. So my problem with a lot of this stuff is that it puts this incredibly heteronormative perspective on the loss of virginity. And the P in the V. Right. Mm. Because there's a lot more to intimacy and things like that that I know wasn't being taught as much in the 90s, but it's still really, it's it's relevant to say that Buffy has never been prepared because Buffy's never had the opportunity to really talk about the emotional consequences of becoming sexually active with moms. I mean, I know people that are mothers that would talk about those things with their kids now. But that's not something she enjoys her going to do. But mm-hmm. at least her and Willow are having a conversation about the preparedness, and she is mm-hmm. having a trusted friend to bounce it off of. So yeah, you know, well, yeah, she's not prepared. She's ready. Yeah, yeah. Although I did, I did have the thought that while they were talking, it's like, I mean, yes, she has a friend she can bounce this off of, but it's not like Willow really knows anything that Buffy doesn't. <laughs> Willow exactly. is essentially just living vicariously through Buffy, oh, yeah. and yeah, so, not really so it, helping at all. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like Willow can give her advice per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. she but can give her can she can give her support. Yeah, but yeah. But if you think about it, Buffy doesn't really have anybody that she could have turned to for advice in that area. Anyway. Oh no, I mean, she can't talk to Giles. She can't talk to you know God knows nobody can talk to Xander about anything in that area. I mean. Jenny is not somebody who is like a mother or a big sister person that she can talk to either. And Joyce is, even though Joyce obviously is sexually active, at least I get the feeling she was with Ted, but who knows? Um, you know, they don't have that kind of relationship. So, but mm-hmm. I mean, at this note, point, we're, we're just happy Joyce isn't doing horrible things. Honestly, so. exactly. the best person for Buffy to talk to would have probably been Cordelia. Right. Oh my yes. God, you're right. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's yeah. a really salient point. That would have been a great scene. I oh know, my right? God. God. That would have been amazing. Because Cordelia pulls no punches. Like, mm-hmm. she would have been like, okay, here is this. Let me lay this out for you. 
Bye. You know, <laughs> yeah. quippy insult, deuces. And that would have been... I mean, yeah. she wouldn't have talked the, about the emotional consequences of... Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That would have been she an amazing conversation. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's like a, somebody needs to like write that fanfic of just like <laughs> scenes we'd like to see. Um, the other thing that I sort of thought while I was watching this is that I was kind of grateful that this this didn't become and now on a very special episode of Buffy Buffy loses her virginity and like having the talk and suddenly somebody coming in and let me tell you about STDs or you know obviously it's a vampire so it's not going to work but I was really happy that it wasn't like that ham-fisted or heavy-handed about you know when the main character does this thing so I like the fact that it's Mm -hmm. awkward and kind of like nobody really is prepared and we're not getting this long and involved you know lecture about how things are and whatever mm-hmm. andy brought up the importance that is placed on you know p and v and the, you know the total loss of virginity which is something i had actually made a note of for a later scene like right before they do it and like buffy's like changing and angel like turns around because he doesn't want to like uh you know make her blush or whatever and i'm like how far have these two actually gone has it just been like kisses or whatever like, because there's a big jump between, you know, forbidden kisses in the graveyard and having sex. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Huge. like, the bases are, like, right. they and exist. When, when you get to that point in high school with your first partner, it's like, okay, we've done the bases and, you know, we've slowly started to round home, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if Buffy's rounded any of They went backwards yeah, from, like, from first base back to home base. He's like, has, has Angel I, ever seen her naked? I mean, considering he lurks, you know, through her window and everything. You know, has he ever seen her naked? Have, you know, like, has any of this gone on? You know, yeah. With her consent. With her yeah. consent, thank you. Yeah, sorry. I did not mean, um, like, in a pervy way. Sorry. I just meant that... No, 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 no. Yeah. What I'm saying is, has he seen her naked with her consent? That is a really phenomenal question. Have they had sex before they've had penetrative sex? Mm-hmm. I don't... I feel weird asking this question. <laughs> it's, it's no, I really mean it's a totally not clear. valid question. Yeah, it's re- they really don't. Uh, you know, and this is actually something I've been thinking as we've been talking about it is that the whole thing about you know here's the episode where Buffy loses her virginity. It's like it's not really an organic process where Buffy kind of comes to this. It's it's more an external. Oh, the screenwriters have decided this is the episode, and so now we're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. There really isn't. There really has only been this like kissing in the graveyard, and him kind of lurking outside her window, which God knows what's up with that. But mm-hmm. you know, and and that's it. That's all we know. Right. And, Whereas actually, uh, just a comparison of thinking like compared to like Xander and Cordy. I mean, granted, there's been a lot yeah. of open or whatever. And Claude, we get the feeling there's been a lot going on between the two of them, and they've you know whether or not they've actually had P and V. Who knows? But there's been a lot of. Uh, they haven't. They no, haven't. I don't they think they have. Okay, but there's still a lot of other messing around between the two of them, and I'm sure it wasn't just illicit kisses. Yeah, no, I mean we have we have a we 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 just have a much more we have a better picture of their relationship than we do of Angel and Buffy's. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, on most TV shows, even now, I think you don't see the buildup of these things. You get it in a Mm -hmm. lot of YA novels, actually the sort of emotional buildup to, you know, getting to the thing or not getting to the thing. Um, I think you have a little more time to breathe there, but you, you don't, you don't see that in television, especially heteronormative television. You mm-hmm. know, it's, we're kissing, now we're fucking. Like, <laughs> it's probably, it's problematic. And then young women look at that and think that, 
That's what all trains real. us that, that have putting a, a, a penis in your vagina is the only way to have sex. And we have to like retrain ourselves out of that. And it does. It comes from teen soap soapness. Not that I don't love Buffy, but, but it does. I just find it interesting that the relationship that we're supposed to root for, which is, which is Buffy and Angel, this is the central relationship in this show at this point, um, has a less is is less fleshed out as a relationship than Xander and Cordelia Cordelia I mean you you can imagine Xander and Cordelia you see Xander and Cordelia going to the porn mm-hmm. point and making out and fooling around I don't see like Buffy going down on Angel at a <laughs> mausoleum or something <laughs> which is nicer yeah. than what I originally wanted to say what I originally wanted to say and the words finger banging and i was like oh let's not do that well, well, I was say also just that. to tie in with what andrew's yeah. saying i think part of the problem also is it's because it's it's network-ish commercial television that's the other reason we sort of can't see this stuff because they're not going to be able to like show mm-hmm. you like you know a guy copying a, a feel with a girl or, or whatever you know on on, t- on you know network tv as much as we probably should or somebody going down on my somebody. point is that yeah. My point is that I believe it more of Cordelia no, I, yeah, I agree with and, and Xander, and they show as much or less than what they show with. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think but, Angel has okay. a freaking virgin whore complex to begin with. Oh, he totally does. Yeah. Oh, my because God. Because we know yes. what his original personality was. We know how he was mm-hmm. jealous. And then it's like, Bucky is this, like, on a pedestal girl who represents, I mean, the next episode is called Innocence. She represents purity. You're going to see her in all those white slips in her dreams. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's purity. And, you know, the notion that virginity equals purity equals goodness equals, you know, fallen women and all those things. And it, it's, well, it's, 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 it's problematic and bothersome. Right. And actually, I'm just tying it in there just to think of Drusilla. I mean, that's like for Angelus, but that's the whole thing about debauching the virgin because she was, wasn't she a convent girl? And all of a sudden, you know, he messes with her and he turns her crazy. And now she's just like all over Spike and what have you. But so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, like even when it came to like Willow and Oz, which is like the cutest relationship that has ever been on the show, they still suggest a progression when it comes to what they do. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll see that next episode. Uh, yeah, we will yeah. see that in phases. We will, um, well, like, well, no, we will also see a little bit of it in the next episode. Of a little innocence. bit in innocence, but and, I mean, like, yeah. they start out with just like the little freeze frame kiss, but then, like, later on in season three, like, Willow makes a comment about how she's still getting used to half a Monty with Oz. Right. And, no, and there, yeah. there is a very clear prescription, and it's mm-hmm. actually one of the things I love best about Willow and Oz's relationship, which is actually the next thing we're going to see in the episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can everybody just have their steely smiles right now? <laughs> Which do we want to move on to that, or should we? I don't know. We can continue. Yeah, let's not belabor the point because I have a lot to yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. Will and Oz. Will and Oz. I like his hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so cute. Um, I mean, it's, it's really nice to see like Willow and Oz, like with all of the melodrama in. The, these two episodes, they are such a nice little breath of fresh air. Yes, so much. Yeah, and Oz just, Oz is like non-flappability, is that a word? Inflappability? Unflappability? He's not flappable. Um, yes. 
There's no flapping here. Flap. I mean, I know that that's part of like that is the essence of Oz, but it's just like the fact that nothing phases him at all, no pun intended, and just the way he reveres Willow and just like he's just he's awesome. He's wonderful. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that scene is just oh, you know, and the I said I said date, and like <laughs> the whole that whole conversation, and you can tell it's Marty writing this stuff. She really writes yeah. those mm. moments so well. Um, especially Bander, and not Bander, well, Bander and Sporty too, but Oz and Willow, she just, her dialogue for them is always the best. Mm-hmm. And just the way, well, see, I'm just smiling so much right now. The, the, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you out, but I'm a little worried that you're going to say no. Yeah, I'm yeah. a little nervous. And then if it helps, yeah. I'm going to say yes. And I'm pretty sure a comfort zone was a Willow and Oz fan site back in the day. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean that that will come up a lot when there's um, uh, there's quotes in episodes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was a Willow and Oz fan site because I went to all of them. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're just yeah. Oz, I think Oz is he's kind of an essential element of of these two episodes because he kind of is the calm anchor for this. So that you can actually get yes. through all the other stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he also comes in just really organically and really, I mean, it's not like, oh, we've got to give Willow a boyfriend and let's just kind of right. shoehorn him in there. He just, he fits in really nicely and really, and there's no angst, there's no craziness. He just sort of, he is, he's Zen, he's yeah. Oz. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they treated that. <laughs> but really yeah, I mean. They treated it the exact opposite of the way they do the Buffy Angel thing, where the Buffy Angel thing is just like, it's just stereotypical TV romance, quote unquote romance, whereas Willow and Oz actually develop a relationship slowly Mm -hmm. over time, and it's really great. Yeah. It's like healthy. I mean, I think that's supposed to be a contrast to what's going on, Mm -hmm. the extreme emotional angst of... And we're gonna get some emotional angst from Willow in this yeah. episode. So, and mm-hmm. Seth and Allie have such great chemistry, and I really, actually, like as great as the dialogue is, I love their little wordless conversation with each other. When Willow's like, "I've got to go," and he's like, "Oh yeah, go." They are so like on point with what they're doing. It works mm-hmm. so well, and Allie's got just got the best smile in the world. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, she so lights up the room <laughs> and breaks your heart. Yeah. So yeah, they're amazing, and we're gonna get a lot more of them kind of in the next episode, which is a lovely conversation that I will have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, same. But I do love the way that Jenny shuts down Xander with the spanking. She's like, no. Mm-hmm. When when he's like, you know, oh Buffy, do you uh, the spanking? Unless y'all have uh, something else to say about the Willow and Oz thing. Well, I mean, we've uh, before the whole. Uh, uh, Jenny and Giles come into it. We do have Xander and Cordelia having a brief oh, conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Where it's Xander's wanting to go public, and Cordelia's like, "Yeah, no." Um, <laughs> which is really interesting that uh, Xander has matured to this point of, "Can we just admit that we're dating?" Mm-hmm. So I know that Marty wrote this episode, but. Everybody knows that Joss always contributed things, you know, lines or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think the whole idiot Jed glutton for punishment (laughs) was a story of his brother? Oh, yes. I heard that line. I'm like, oh, God, that's a burn to your brother, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my God, 
Jocelyn. It worked though. I mean, and, and again, like couple wise, I really do like Xander and Cordy because it's again not your normal like TV, you know, romance. You know, everything we were saying that the Buffy and Angel sort of are or aren't. It just the fact that they're so quirky and they. It's this love-hate thing, which obviously is going to come back to bite Xander in the ass later. But um, it just they have they have really good chemistry too. I think like just charisma. No, again, no pun intended. Charisma and and um, Nikki are just like really good mm-hmm. together. Uh, apparently, there was a bit cut out of this episode. Harmony was supposed to originally be into in it, but they had to cut things down because there was just so much to do. I don't know when the Harmony scene was supposed to be, but I'm kind of guessing it might have been around here. I'm glad they cut it, though, because uh, it had some ableist dialogue in it. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, but court base, uh, I can't find the dialogue, and I don't really want to read it because this word is repeated several times. Um, begins with an S, ends with a Z. Um, but basically, Cordy is trying to ask Harmony about, like, Xander, and it's like, don't you think Xander's been kind of looking good lately. And Harmony's like, seriously? Like the king of the insert ableist word here. And then Cordy's like, ha ha ha, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't, you know, really asking. And so, I mean, I thought that was an interesting cut that they made just because it's mm-hmm. like Xander wants, they every they both want to be in a relationship, but they don't know how to do it. Right, yeah. Especially with a social... Yeah, I I mean, to be honest, I don't know that that scene adds anything. Would have added anything because because I mean, Cordy just literally comes out and says, no, I'm not going to tell people I'm dating you because that would be socially awkward. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what that's all that scene gives you. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I did actually read the dialogue on some website about it and thinking, yeah, it, it takes away because in a way, I mean, it makes Cordy seem a little colder this way, mm-hmm. that, that, that Xander's kind of the one that's needy and kind of wants to, like, can't we be, And but that fits with their social strata also, because she's the mm-hmm. popular girl. She doesn't need to let anybody know she's dating the, the nerdy guy, whereas the nerdy guy obviously wants to be, look, I'm dating the cheerleader, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it works better this way. Saying. I don't even know if that's Xander's motivation for wanting yeah, to. Yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't think it is. I think he does yeah. really like her. And I actually think it's kind of embarrassing for him to be dating this popular cheerleader because he mm-hmm. was the treasurer of the We Hate Cordelia Club, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think it's because he's genuinely coming to like her. And it, and it also leads me to believe the stuff that we're not seeing off screen with Xander and Cordelia is them actually being pretty nice to each other when they're mm-hmm. alone, you know, which often happens, you know, in teenage relationships, what you don't see. And what you see publicly, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Xander and Cordy, and they're never, mm-hmm. they're not a lifelong mm-hmm. couple, but I think they were good for each other. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And honestly, if Cordelia hadn't, you know, spoiler alert, died, if they had come back to each other after the shows had ended, I totally think that they could have, mm-hmm. like, oh, cooked so up. Too, yeah, no, I mean, it's after all the growth that Cordy had gone through. I... Mm-hmm. After all the growth oh, Xander had gone Xander through. Had gone through yeah. I mean, if. And of course, we'll get that really nice moment in, at the end of season three, when uh, yes. Cordy's getting the dress for the wants to get the dress for for graduate for the prom. Yeah, so. I'm still not um, unconvinced that Xander didn't punch Cordelia's V card at graduation. 
<laughs> well, they make such a big deal out of him losing his virginity to Faith. Well, I mean, he would have already lost his virginity to Faith. Uh-huh. Oh, right. And, but isn't he... Right he's, seeing, he's seeing Anya at that point, though, isn't he? Not really. Not really. Uh, by graduation? No. He went, went to the prom oh. with her, and that was it. Oh, okay. And then she runs away to avoid the apocalypse. She so. pieces out. She's like, bye! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, Cordelia is the only character that we never get, like, a virginity, like, losing scene. No. Um, it, I think she lost her virginity way before Xander, but that's yeah, I, I Yeah. But I mean it always it always struck me as really strange that they dated for like over a year and if mm-hmm. Cordelia had been like as open as to be having sex with boyfriends that she wouldn't have had sex with Xander. It, there was yeah. Well, it's possible. Well the people she was the people she was dating tended to be and she made a point of saying it older boys, high school students or older high school students, college boys at one point perhaps it was because they may have she may have been further along on that journey than Xander was it was more of a maybe he wasn't ready which would have been a nice conversation oh. to have um, but again there we can have a lot of conversations about you know making your sexual debut and um, you know the social construct of virginity in the next episode because there's a lot there's a lot to talk about but um, Jenny Jenny Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Jenny, Jenny. Uh, Jenny. Who can I turn to? <sighs> uh, that reveal, I think, really... Because the whole build-up on these episodes, um, like, publicity-wise, was all about the, what will betray her? Well, you know, <laughs> who will betray Buffy? Do you guys remember those promos at all? MC, do you remember those? I yeah, do it was totally all about remember those, yeah. betray, blah, blah, blah. And when it gets later, it's like, one of these people will die. You're like, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> so we knew something was going to happen, and I think I kind of figured out it might be Jenny based on who they were showing in the promo. Because I was thinking mm. yeah. it wasn't going to be Willow or Xander or Giles. I, I mean, you could also see, you know, what happens with Angel as a betrayal also, but not really. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I like Jenny. I didn't, and I don't think she's bad. I think she's doing what she has, what she's been what raised, she's been raised, raised to, do. to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It I, also gives her some some <clears throat> depth, and, and and you know she's not just like oh, and here's the romantic you know character just for Giles. It's giving her a purpose in the story, and actually it's kind of like done, done, done. Look, there's more to her than we know, which is cool. But one of my big problems with it though is like. It's not really Jenny does what she has to do. It's like Jenny does what the plot needs her to do so that mm-hmm. we have somebody around who can explain shit. Because that's the whole reason why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Joss even admitted it, mm-hmm. that they had no plans for Jenny to actually be Yara Calderash. Yeah. Um, it's just they threw that in because they needed somebody to be able to explain Angel's curse. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, that's, well, I mean, that's not why they cast Rubia Lamort, because I, they obviously didn't really care when they cast Vincent um, Schiavelli um, to play a... Oh, God. They basically cast... To play... They yeah. cast Vincent Schiavelli to play a Vincent Schiavelli role. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and it, it's pretty apparent that that was uh, a late decision mm-hmm. by how sudden Jenny starts acting um, sort of sneaky and, and surreptitious and um, like she's hiding something. Uh, there was there's not a lot of build up. There's not a lot of indication no. before that she's got this secret life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, later later and, when she and, says, and I guess that could be. I'm sorry. When she says later, it's like, well, I I tried to keep you apart, and it's like, what? when? No, you didn't. When? Right. When yeah. did you when? do that? When? When did you <laughs> That's, do that? Right. Yeah. That one time where you acted weird, taking Buffy to her surprise party. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Which was only ten minutes ago, story time. So yeah. Oh no, I will give her props or the writers props for the fact that they they wrote Jenny as trying to do as little arm while still trying to accomplish the mission better mm-hmm. by her family. So it was very quick thinking, well, I mean, you know, jumping to another scene where she says, you know, Angel, you should take the box and get rid of it and go on a mm-hmm. boat and, you know, all those things. Because mm-hmm. it's it's not her doing anything violent or mean. It's mm-hmm. just her sort of figuring out a way to separate them with the least possible damage, especially to Buffy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll, I'll, give, I'll give them that. They, mm-hmm. you know, didn't yeah. Her a total villain. Yeah. Um, I'm someone who likes Vincent Chiavelli in a lot of things because he's he's really good in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate him in this. Oh, he's really. And I I hate <laughs> I hate Rabia when he's with when she's with him. She becomes so fucking wooden. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I kind of like expected him to break into John O'Connor. You know from Buckaroo Barnsai type stuff. Mm. But he's not, I mean, he's really good, but he's wacky. And there's like no wacky. He's just like this, anybody could be in that role, basically. It's, mm-hmm. it's pointless. Yeah. You know, MC, when you put it that way, I, 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 I suspect maybe it's just the two of them don't work well together. Yeah, it's very possible. And I mean, their scenes are just complete exposition where mm-hmm. it's like, here is all of this shit that the audience needs to know. Mm-hmm. Which could have easily been accomplished by a Watcher's Diary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Like, but I do want to so, mention that in that scene where he first shows up in the computer lab, there's a sign above the blackboard that says, Have brain today? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that was supposed to mean. I don't know why it's in a computer lab. I I have no idea. It's just hilarious. <laughs> Maybe it was a David Lynch suggestion. Yeah, right. <laughs> brain and brain, what is brain? Yeah, so. yeah, yes. Uh, there... The next scene is Buffy talking to Giles about her dream coming true. Though I don't have any notes on that particular scene because it was just mm-hmm. like it was a thing that happened. Um, right. I, 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 my only notes are I love grab his bones to make your bread. It's one of my yeah. very favorite lines. That's a phenomenal line. You ground his bones to make your bread. Like, I was so mad I was going to ground his bones to make my bread. Um, and that Willow Scotty sweater is like. That, that's yes. Mm, yes. And yes. I, I love, I do love how wonderful Giles is for wanting Buffy to have such a lovely day. You yeah, know, it's something just, normal. It, fur- it furthers that whole, you know, thread of them really, him really being there for her. Oh, she- Giles's dad game is on point in these two episodes. Oh yes, oh, absolutely amazing in these two episodes. Like I wholeheartedly agree with that. He's He's not. He's not. A, he doesn't play a huge major role in these two episodes, but he's just quietly there supporting mm-hmm. his 
player, his daughter, his person, um, and just being lovely and what mm-hmm. you really would want in a supportive mentor. So I love Giles. Did y'all know that? <laughs> I think no. you might have mentioned it. Completely before. new information. Uh, so getting into the scene with uh, Jenny taking Buffy to the bronze and I never for one second bought that Jenny was going to do anything to Buffy. Because uh, I know that's what they're trying to imply. Yeah. Like, Maybe it's because like I was such like a Jenny and Giles shipper, but I was like, she ain't gonna do anything. Mm-hmm. I was a little concerned. I was a little concerned. But it just makes it look like she's bad at surprises. That's <laughs> but, the entire yeah. time. Just like wow. I mean, for me, she's like that Kristen Wiig character about surprise parties on NSL. Yeah. There's gonna be balloons. Is that Kristen Wiig? <laughs> I, that sounds like. Have you seen it? Okay. See, for me, it's like even if you think there's a sinister intent, it totally doesn't pay off. Yeah. It's like like the 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 undermining of that if that's what they're which what which is what they're trying to go for. It just doesn't work mm-hmm. at all. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. That that whole setup does nothing. Yeah, and just a small little bit when uh, Buffy's fighting and everybody else is inside, and they're like, "Where is she?" Um, Angel is so fucking out of place with Buffy's friends. <laughs> I mean, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, but it's I mean, like it's when just... Dale goes to party, my partner Dale, he's just like. I believe I'll stand here and look around and politely say hello. And And when we actually get into the the actual surprise party part, um, there's so much good in this scene, you guys. I know, this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. Um, and it's spelled with two letters, and that's an O and a Z, and that's the good thing. Mm. Well, no, oh, I, I mean, know. you Cordy also gotta, you gotta give Cordy props. Cordy and a, surprise! I just think Cordy, like, kills it. Like, <laughs> she's ready to party! <laughs> well, I mean, it's both of them, because it's yeah. Cordy going, surprise! And then Oz going, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which pretty much sums up Oz. Mm-hmm. Right, right yeah. those yeah. two tiny lines of best acting, like, so much talent, you know, I don't know how they so much character development in these tiny little moments of Oz. I think yeah. Seth, but like, and then Cordelia, like later on, being like, "Does anybody want cake?" Like yeah. I, I'm sure just. I, I I can't believe that you haven't mentioned this yet. Giles with a fucking noisemaker. Yes. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Although I have yeah. to say, I am disappointed after hearing so much about the tiny hats. Only Willow is wearing a hat, and it's not that tiny. <laughs> of course, only Willow is wearing. And yeah. Giles actually had said that the tiny hats were important, so like, why yeah. was he wearing one? I don't know because he's. Well, I thought he said that um, he'd be there, but not wearing a tiny hat. Right. Yeah, Giles said he yeah. would not be wearing a tiny hat. That's true. Right, but right. Sandra but seemed say... into it. Yeah. yeah. I want to see Angel wearing one. That would be great. <laughs> That would yeah. be so funny. Um, um, and yeah, no, the Oz scene, oh. best reaction to finding out about the supernatural ever. Oh, absolutely. Okay, that explains a lot. <laughs> and, and, and Xander in that scene also, I love it. It's just like, yeah, yeah, vampires are real. Willow will explain everything. <laughs> it's just like, he's so tired of this. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah, um, um, yes, Oz, did anyone else just see that guy turn to dust and then... Xander's like, Willow will fill you in. He's like, actually, this explains a lot. Yeah. A lot. I, I mean, I think there line. are moments in this scene that really distill those characters down to their absolute essence. 
and just a mm-hmm. little bit of dialogue and some meaningful looks and the actors mm-hmm. like really knowing what they're doing because Xander's like yeah yeah Willow and and Cordelia's like surprise who wants cake and Oz is stoic and you know taciturn and mm-hmm. it, it just all works Logan um <laughs> I uh I think that shows how well Marty understands these characters. Mm. Yeah. Um, she's just got a great instinct for them. I really, you know, I, I know a lot of people are, and I guess we can talk about it a lot when we get there, but a lot of people are very uh, iffy on six and seven. I love them so much. And it's largely because I'm a Marty stan. And she has a lot of understanding of the characters. Like, I'm not saying she didn't make bad choices, and my God, we will get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she understands these characters. Yeah, yes. when it comes to the yeah. character moments and just like the interactions, it just, I don't think anybody is a better. The other thing I was going to say is that the, the director, I mean, we were talking about how, you know, Michael Lang hadn't done anything before, but I think he just gets like these amazing little performances out of people. Yeah. With, and, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether another director could have done it, you know, but just from a directorial point of view, I think that's part of it too. It just, everybody hits everything I perfectly. I always think that the sign of a really good directorial job is how many scenes from that episode end up being put in the credits. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of scenes from this one oh, get put into yeah, the credits. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tons of them. I, you know, and I also think, in defense of Marty, she's the one that really likes to have small character moments and beats. She's the one that always gives you the episodes. If you look in the credits of all her episodes, you're like, oh, that's... And then you watch it, you're like, she really likes the emotional beats. She likes to open things up emotionally mm-hmm. and let the characters express way more than I think mm-hmm. any writer on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Jane. Jane actually, as funny as Jane Atkinson is, she also sort of likes character moments and beats and and, and furthering the emotional storyline and not just the plot. Mm-hmm. So I will always give Marty credit. So. And you know, I think, you know, we talked about this when we were um, talking about what's my line for it went into about how there was some unnecessary filler and it felt a little clunky to have two parts. This one definitely needs to be a two-parter. Oh, God, yes. Besides oh, the yes. chunky exposition between Jenny and her uncle, most of the exposition is delivered in a really creative and delightful way. And, I, and the episode is kicky. Um, it feels like it actually has its own plot and not just a part one of a part two. I, mean, uh, I actually think probably the biggest problem with, I mean, what's my line? We said that, you know, they didn't have enough for two episodes and we had big problems with the last two episodes. The whole reason for that is because there was so much being dedicated to these two episodes and it shows yeah, these yeah, two episodes sure. are it's really sure. good. I mean, these are game changers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think. Like you were saying, you, the, the scene between Jenny and her uncle, unfortunately, I think that's probably that because when they broke out down the entire like story arc, I'm sure that was in there. Like, we have to give this as the exhibition bit. So it was kind of shoved in there because it had to be. But everything else is kind of mm-hmm. organic mm-hmm. within the Yeah, it was a story. lot more organic exposition. With, even without having, t- you know, Tony Head didn't actually have the bulk of the exposition in these episodes. Yeah. And usually it's like, mm-hmm. they just give the exposition to Tony Head mm-hmm. because he does it in a way that you're like... I'm just going to watch Giles be Giles, and I know this is exposition, but I'm delighted anyway. Oh, yeah. maybe that's just me. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the bronze scene, I, I love I love that scene. If you're going to, like, point out, you know, the essence of Buffy in a good way, I mean, I think that scene is part of it. It's like, uh, yeah, kids, emotion, vampires, snark, 
perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. In a club. The (laughs) the only thing I don't like about the bronze scene is uh, Jenny trying to push Angel out the door, which is totally fine. Like, I get why Jenny is trying to do that. But why isn't anybody else other than Buffy who wants to keep her boyfriend there being like, having Angel take it is like the worst idea because it is a time sensitive thing where they need to get this arm out quickly. So, Mm. you know, taking a steamer train, the worst idea. Mm. Uh, Like a plane would be much better. Like either Jenny or like Giles should be like, okay, either Jenny or I should take like a leave of absence or I should maybe call the watchers even though they're fucking useless. I know TSA wasn't um, overly, uh, or even a thing at this point, but um, would you check the arm or would it be a carry-on? <laughs> in those days, you could have carried it on. I mean, I used to like carry on like weapons and um, instruments and stuff like that without any problem. A slayer <laughs> got onto a plane a couple episodes, uh, got into a cargo hold a couple episodes ago. Yeah, but she snuck into the cargo hold. Yeah, yeah. she didn't go through security. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, I think there's part of the point, and Jenny, Angel says, I'm the only one that can protect it. Like, because I'm strong and I'm vampire. Mm-hmm. I, I get that, but yeah, yeah, Giles could have been like, all right, let me get on an airplane. But the first one, I'm taking this thing to England. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're still working for the Watchers Council at this point. She hasn't yeah. yet. So, yeah. right. Uh, I mean, we know the Watchers Council is totally fucking worthless. But, but they yeah. don't. Yeah, my, my other note about this, and just as an aside, I can't remember whether it was like True Blood or actually the, the Suki, Van, uh, Suki Stackhouse books or whether it was like Anne Rice or something. But I know in some series, there actually was a whole thing about how vampires actually could fly. They just would take like night flights and they had to go west the whole time or whatever. So that it was always dark wherever they were going. And I was like, why couldn't Angel do that? Or like go somewhere and then get off and, you know, it's still faster than steamer train, even if you have to like do a, an overnight somewhere. So They did mm-hmm. that in a Wolverine comic uh, with, with Hulk in it back in the days when Hulk would turn into Hulk when he was at night. Okay. Oh. But, but I know this was like from a vamp, some other oh, vampire thing. That's right. They, did they go back to the whole nighttime thing later? Uh, this was this was back during like it must have been like, like the, the... the early eighties at the time. Okay, because um, yeah, all right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not because because yeah, no, okay. Well, let's let's not yeah. get into a whole Hulk discussion. Yeah. But uh... yeah. I mean, that, obviously, angels never get gonna get under under the way. I mean. Uh, underway, underway, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> underway. Um, because they basically they just need to get them to the dock. They need to give them their good, good, their goodbye, which is going to lead them into the sex. Yeah, right. And that stupid clattering. <laughs> okay. Um, oh well, God, Before yes. we get to that, just the the Drew and Spike scene. Yay! The only thing I need to say is that Drusilla's velvet boots are fucking luscious. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to derail the conversation. I don't want us to like get too far into this question. But why does a vampire need glasses? Uh, Aesthetics. He wants to look brainy. It's brainy specs. Aesthetics. They're brainy specs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, don't yeah. you? When you become a vampire, you sort of get a lot of those things that were keeping you. It's a. I guess it depends on which the lore. Actually, I. Yeah. I'm that's not an Anne Rice thing. I don't know if that's like true for like every vampire lore. Well, I, I guess... mean, in in season seven, you're going to see Spike turn his mom into a vampire, and it cures her like consumption or whatever. Yeah, and, and so... Spike wore glasses. <laughs> yeah, as William. Yeah, 
I'm just, I'm curious. I'm sorry. It'll give me Kung Fu, but you won't give me 2020 Vision? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know which one I prefer. That's why I think we should say it's, it's, it's Brainy Specs. He just wanted to look smart. So yeah. I know, and it, it, it really is one of those things with the costume designers setting that up as a, mm-hmm. like, the nerdy, brainy vampire. Yeah. yeah. But and what did we learn, Dalton? What did we learn? That shit gets you killed. Yeah, it gets you killed. I do love her, like, putting the little broken glasses on and then patting him on the head. And, and, and there's this so thing good. that Juliet Lando does in both these episodes, and she does it in other episodes. And, and I can't I can't describe it in audio. Y'all can see it, because we're all on a on, on webcam right now. But she does this little dance where she just goes up and down the little... Her, her, little, her just, fluttery little excitement dance. Yes. I do that when I eat yeah, food. And I, I just bounce I love, my butt. That's just one of those character things that Julia does that I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that enhances that character so much. Um, well, especially because she carries it over into her rage or sort of fear moments. It just becomes twisted mm-hmm. and angry. That her like, uh, like that thing she does with her hand and she makes that mewling noise. She's such a phenomenal. She yeah. really is. I really wish she'd gotten a lot more work than she had. And you can see the dancer training because there's a lot of it is just like body movement stuff. Oh, yeah, on sure. which is beautiful. Yeah. So we do get into the whole goodbye scene, and as Andy pointed out, the damn clattering, which I totally <laughs> had one because of this episode. Okay. Uh, did, did anybody know? I, I didn't have one, but I, like, swear to God, everybody I knew had a clattering for some reason, or clatter earrings, so. Mm. So, one of my dearest friends that is no longer with us anymore gave me a clattering in 1993, which I wore... And wore, and then it was like, oh, cool! I already have one because at the time I was like twenty-three, and I was like, ooh, clattering! I've got one just like Bucky. <laughs> but as the years wore on, I got really like, I do not just have this because of Buffy. I had this as a graduation <laughs> gift, like so. I already had one, but they were everywhere. Like, oh yeah, every, yeah. Like, yeah. I think there was an action figure that came with a, a, a plastic clattering. There was, yeah. <laughs> I okay. believe it was one of the angel ones. Angel figures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it had this plastic clattering that was way too big to fit on the action figure's finger, but it was in mm-hmm. there as like an extra, like, but way too small to fit on anything to do with finger. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. everybody had them. It was like a Buffy thing. Yeah. And I didn't wear mine for years because of her. Mm-hmm. I just stopped wearing it because I was sick of people. Mm-hmm. You really like Buffy, huh? I'm like, well, I do really like Buffy. Fuck you. Of course I do. But, yeah. but it's a real thing, and I'm not just wearing it for the TV shows. So. Yeah. 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 I-, I was wearing it because of the TV show. I stopped wearing <laughs> mine because my finger was too fat. And that's okay, because you were four, 14, 15? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. So, Stuff I bought at 14 or 15, and I'm like, I must have the thing from the show. Yeah. But honestly, mm. I'd probably still be wearing it if it still fit my finger. My finger's just Yeah, mine doesn't now. fit my finger. My my finger mm. size has gone up at one size between the time I was 23 yeah. and the time I'm 43. Um, yeah, and I mean, I could get it resized, but I mean, it was a really cheap-ass ring to begin with. Okay. So mine is, yeah. mine is really nice sterling silver. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a very special gift that I hold on to because, again, that mm. friend is no longer with us anymore. Yeah. yeah. I would probably just like stick it on a chain and wear it around my neck at this point. If it, if yeah, I yeah, like I that, that. So. yeah. And my entire thought during the scene is when he goes, "My people, before I was changed, wear these rings." And I'm thinking, back when I had that 
atrocious accent. And <laughs> Though this is actually the first time that we find out that Angel is Irish. Yes. It's Irish, yeah. Which, why, Joss? Why? Like, you already had him cast, like... Before you decided to make him Irish, why didn't you check to see if he could do the goddamn accent? <laughs> I bet he did. And, and Josh was just like, close enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, this right. is the man who was like, yeah, that sounds sufficiently African. Good job, Kendra. <laughs> or Jamaican, right? Or Vincent yeah. Cavelli's accent. You're like, what is that? Like, they really don't. Vaguely Eastern European. Right, they don't actually care that much about people's accents. No. Except James cultivated his accent so intensely. Because he worked with, he worked with Tony. Tony was his dialect. And <sighs> yes. uh, okay. so Actually, much. this is a nitpick, speaking of that. There's a one point where, where Spike is talking to the judge and something about like not sitting around on your ass. And mm-hmm. I like freaked out because I'm like, it should be arse. He would not say ass. But anyway. Yeah. So but he's been in the yeah. States for a while. Yeah. True. Yeah, a while. It's just like that one's like really stood out to me. It's like a, and he's uh, and he's also yeah, he's, he's also, also kneeling. And Spike's accent is a put-on that he's just learned to... That is also true. become part of him. But at the same time, it was originally a put-on. Yeah, because Spike had the RP accent. Yeah, Yeah, but they still say arse. I mean, as compared to to ass. Because ass is a donkey, so, yeah. Mm. I was just like, it was one of those things where, like, it's an American show, they're never going to notice it. But they got away with wanker. And actually, this is a really good story. Like, years ago, I had a friend who was British, and he was very upset, because I guess... Phil Collins had been on Miami Vice or something, mm-hmm. and they actually had to. <laughs> yes, and they actually had to edit the word "wanker" out of the episode of Miami Vice. And this friend of mine, who was a very nice guy, but he was very kind of Gilesy in personality, unfortunately not in looks. Um, he was like he was embarrassed <laughs> to use the word "wanker" to me um, because he was he was well, he was telling me this story, and he was like, "Well, the W word. Well, what W word?" He's <laughs> like, "Oh, do you mean wanker?" And he was like, "Ah." So I thought it was great that like Spike got away with wanker on American television. So. Oh, they mm-hmm. love they love to throw in British slang. He gets away yeah. with the two finger salute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Americans Americans don't know, so the censors are just like, yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. that means, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Means, so, um, moving on. Why did the people who cut up the judge put him in such easily reassemblable boxes? <laughs> Or pieces, just cut them into bigger pieces, smaller pieces, not bigger but, but, pieces. No, but, but I mean, the boxes are clearly designed to be put back together. Right, yeah, 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 it's like a, like a Lego judge. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those now. I know, it's like Legos. He's a mega blocks. Oh. I really like <laughs> cracked myself up as I was watching this episode and the judge's, you know, appearance and his first like kill um it's just like do you not like do you not like readers judge is that what's happening here because he looked at dalton he was like hooked on fuck that oh yeah and just wipe uh, him out before that we do get uh buffy's dream um of oh right, 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 right. Yeah. right um which um i'm a sucker for a white sundress and I thought that <laughs> Buffy looked amazing. And one thing I noticed in this is I believe that Buffy and Drew are wearing the exact same dress. Oh. Huh. And because uh, huh. they're both wearing white in that scene. Uh, and you don't really get to see Drew's dress because she's standing behind Angel, but it does look like it's a white satin dress. And so I'm like, oh, my God, Buffy knows that she's going to be the one that destroys Angel. So that's why they're dressed the same. Interesting. Very I mean, like I mentioned before, the whole white purity 
you know, like within, I mean, it's a nightgown, right? That's mm-hmm. basically wearing a, like a very demure piece of laundry, a piece of laundry nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like, like a wedding lingerie. Right. Yeah. Like something yeah. you get for your wedding. Then. Yeah. Cause in the first dream, she's wearing like a two piece satin pajama thing, which is very, yeah, she's like, wearing your just like yeah. regular old, I went to bed. You have Angelus's. Uh, how did he describe Cordelia? His, his the worst thing he's ever done, or his worst crime, or whatever. What not Cordelia? What he did to Drusilla. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about how it was just like one of the most heinous things he'd done. Am I imagining that? No, he he did. He has said he that did an earlier or later. Episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think when she first appeared. Um, and there are definite parallels. You, for all her badassery, Buffy is still like kind of green in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she has the I think they're intentionally that cost exactly and that costuming choice I think was a way to say hey this is what you could become mm-hmm. maybe oh, good mm. good and when we do finally get to Drusilla's party we get one of my favorite pieces of music Rasputina. from Buffy yes. yeah. Transylvanian Concubine by Rasputina which is such so a fucking iconic. jam I love that song jam. I still play that around but it's so it's so got like that whole scene is like let's go to the goth club on yes. Thursday yes. nights because goth, <laughs> goth night was always Thursday nights for mm. some reason here in Albuquerque because we didn't have enough of a community to sustain it for a Friday or a Saturday night so it's Thursday nights and everybody dressed like Drusilla so I it, <laughs> it just feels very nineties and. They had to reserve the weekend for the normies. Right, right, right. I, and our goth night was at the gate club. And so they wanted to use their Friday and Saturday nights for the... Uh, 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 and the foam and underwear party. Mm-hmm. People at home, Andy just raised the roof. <laughs> I raised the roof. The roof, the roof is on fire. I am curious. Um, those punch bowls, is it punch or blood? Oh, It's blood. It's blood, it's, yeah. it's blood punch. Yes. Blood like Mad Dog fifty fifty. <laughs> and then you get Brian Thompson, who is the greatest yes. of all the nineties baddies. Yes. Brian yeah. Thompson, if you need someone huge in the nineties like actually physically huge in the nineties, yes. yeah. called Brian Thompson. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, he, and I mean like in this fact, isn't even the first time he's been on no, Buffy. He no. was uh, in the harvest as uh Luke, right? Yeah, in yeah. fact I yeah. I noticed that Buffy like reacts like really she really reacts when she sees the judge, even though she has no idea what the judge looks like. And I'm like, is she doing that because she just knows it's the judge because she's the slayer? Or or is it just that he looks like Luke? <laughs> well, I mean, she did see the arm, right? She's already seen the arm and it's already attacked her, so yeah. she knows the arm is blue. So I think she just realizes it's a judge who's just like a blue guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and she just yes. figures, you know. She's smart like that because it's like, yeah. well... Most of these seem like vampires, except for this blue dude. So I'm going to assume it's the judge. It's either the judge or steroid Smurf. So <laughs> They know, did like, call him Smurf Demon, apparently, yes. on the, sh- uh, on the I, scene. Spike calls him, or somebody calls him Smurf in the dialogue there, too. So mm-hmm. in, Yeah. I, I'm not sure oh, if they do I, I was watching with the, the captions on, and I forgot who it was, but somebody said something about, come on, Smurfy, or... There's, there's a Smurf well, line that's shoved in Spike. there, so... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, whenever I think Spike and Smurf, I always go Illyria immediately. Illyria. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I can't wait. (laughs) 
I know. <laughs> Valerie's got, I've got um, so long, y'all. Yeah, I, I, I adore Brian Thompson. Oh, he's great. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I'll have to look him up later. But like, yeah, um, you know, I mean, yeah. do the Google. Also on the X Files. Oh yeah, he was the alien bounty hunter, right? Uh, yeah, um, he's the alien assassin. Yeah, uh, this is one of the first episodes that we get definitive, like proof that vampires can actually feel well i mean like we know that spike and drusilla have affection for each other but that they that vampires retain some sort of humanity or can or can you know it depends on the vampire uh like it it isn't just like all vampires are evil completely Mm -hmm. you can have different you know shades of them because i mean like the judge was totally ready to kill spike and drew Mm -hmm. until spike was like yeah. yeah we brought you here uh, and Dalton obviously gets killed, and then you have it, it. Spoiler, spoiler! In the next episode with Angelus, and it's just like, yep, he's totally evil. So no, I he, think, well, him, he's evil. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of debate as to whether or not Spike or Angel is better. There's absolutely no deba- debate that Spike is better than Angelus. And then Angelus. Yeah. Spike is yeah nicer than Angel. Or I'm sorry, Angel. The judges focuses on humanity. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so could we argue humanity. that Spike has more? Yes, Spike has more humanity than, than Angelus. Oh. Yeah. Well, the Spike is like head over heels with Drew at that point. I mean, yeah. He, Spike is a ro- weirdly romantic vampire for all his like mm-hmm. stupidity and and, and yeah. evilness at times. So yeah, there there's a. I just as a side for Brian Thompson, we won't go into it, but I just looked him up real quick on IMDb. He's still working. He's still listed in films I've never heard of, but I'm assuming they're just like you know horror films and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was never like a huge actor, but it was always mm-hmm. like one of those things where it's like, hey, it's Brian Thompson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was He's in that new Seth MacFarlane show. Of the Orville, so I've seen him oh. recently. Okay. He played Drogon, whichever Drogon it is, because I don't remember that episode. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. He's still, oh, yeah, like, good. I, I alive do. and kicking I, and working yeah. hard. So, and yeah. part of it is that low voice that he has. Mm-hmm. He also works with this. So shout out Brian Thompson for being yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. and yeah. taking prosthetics really well. Yeah. 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 That's but, a skill, man. Like some yeah. people don't. We work well mm. with being able to act with prosthetics, so yeah. Call oh. out to that specific Yeah, there, there was somebody on Babylon Five who like could not be a, a Narn, I think it was, because she was like claustrophobic and could not handle the prosthetics. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it's a skill. But speaking of the judge in, in humanity, I, he he specifically calls out uh, Drew and Spike's affection. Yeah, as mm-hmm. as the sign of their humanity. Yeah. So that's and and Drew talks about it again in, in season five when Spike kidnaps yeah. her. Um, just you know we can love, we can love, we can love, but not always wisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah um, that's the same as true of humans, right? We well, I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That you know, it, yeah, you know. And honestly, Spike, worst of all. Let's be real. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason why, like, his big flashback episode is called "Fool for Love." Mm. Oh, that's. I mean, that's Spike's character. Loves bitch. Yeah. Are Buffy's pants giraffe print? What's going on with those? They're super ugly. <laughs> oh my god, I hate those yeah, pants. They were this ugly. Like the worst pants ever. Anyone yeah. thoughts on the pants? Are they giraffe I just thought they were ugly. Like... It was the late 90s. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to point There's out literally that no explanation. So, after the fight with the judge, they run to Angel's place. 
And I know the reason why they ran to Angel's place is because they got a bone. But it's the fucking worst place for them to hide because they're being chased by vampires. And right. Angel's place is the only private residence that the vampires can actually come into. Oh my god, you're right. That is pretty Wow, good. yeah. Hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh well. True. Okay, and then you get the... They got a bone, though. You no, know, he turns around and she goes, Oh, we got this little cut. And I'm like, And a hundred million hurt comfort fanfics just got mm. Like, yeah. it was, like, the tropiest of the trope right there, you know? He doesn't even do anything to help her. He just, like, sits behind her. He's like, oh, let me touch it gently. And then she's like, like, oh, it's closed. Back. I almost it lost you. Ow. Yeah, seriously, it's fucking fanfic. I am writing this scene right now between two different characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, because normally the vampire trope, I guess, is, oh, you have a cut. Let me, like, you know, let me just, like, suck the blood and then I'll heal you or blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, and there's nothing there. It's just like, oh, you're healed up. So why did we need this exactly except to have him physically come closer? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely yeah. what it Her was. Look over yeah, it's shoulder. stupid. It's really, right. that. that's, like, one of the clunkiest bits. I just, like I said, episode. it was just all kinds of, like, they went through an emotional journey and you know, she kicked the judge, and it was just, like, such a hurt comfort kind of thing, which, there's nothing wrong with her comfort. Yeah, well, I mean, she literally says, she's like, I mean, they're wet because it was raining, and it's like, why did it have to be raining? It's like, because they needed to go and have to change, and she's like, I almost lost you tonight. Well, they're not... Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, like, seriously, <laughs> I mean, part of it is that our love for Bangle is not Super high. You know, I so. do have I do have in my notes that I was all a hundred percent on board Bangle during the run of these episodes. Yeah, like I was a hundred percent invested in Buffy and Angel and what was going to happen because I was mm-hmm. a lot. Like I've said a lot of times, if you're putting it in front of me on the screen, I'm probably going to buy into yeah. it if it's you know written well or speaks to me or you know mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I hadn't discovered fanfic yet. Yeah. So at that point, it was like, I, I would just, I would, I would discover it the summer after the finale of this year. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I was buying what they were selling at that yeah. point. I really was. And it, what happens to Angel wrecks me. It wrecks. We're me also time. old and bitter now, so yeah, it's I'm like, don't give me now. this hurt comfort bullshit. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not that bitter, but um, <laughs> I'm younger than you, and I'm fucking bitter as hell. I know. No, um, I'm just I'm bitter and I'm also just like over romance and stuff like that in general. Yeah. I'm just like a hardened old bitch. So yeah, but you I, know I mean I I was a hundred percent on board with them. I was really invested in their relationship. I was really. I think it. I mean, for me, it works in the context of the story and the characters and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not like super emotionally, like, I'm not going to go off and write you know Angel Buffy stuff. But I think for the characters and within the story, it works really well. Yeah, it works I mean, really well. Like, that's what it has to do. Well. And it, and it and it kept me coming back, you know. It kept me coming back the next day. Yeah, no. I mean, like this ending. This was like the first. Well, I mean, the what's my line cliffhanger was a cliffhanger. Actually, that was a but, great cliffhanger. Yeah. But I mean, this one was so good because it's like this is iconic, and like the what they did. Um, with the arranging of these episodes because this was the last episode to air on Monday night uh-huh. and mm-hmm. they moved it to Tuesday so there was only like a one day. it was if you go onto YouTube and you look up the ads for these episodes which maybe I'll do that and put that with the show notes well, they'll be like 
on a two-day Buffy event. Um, I remember the two-day Buffy event. Yeah. Yeah, so they used it to move Buffy to Tuesday to make it not just an, oh, we're moving the night. It's like they made you actually, like, super invested in it. And doing that is what drove a lot of people to the show. Oh, absolutely. This, this Definitely. is when it just really started cruising. This is and peak Buffy. This is total peak Buffy. And this is when most people got into the fandom and all the cool stuff. So, I mean, it's just, this is this is that moment where Buffy became yeah. a zeitgeist. A small yeah. one. But it was still, you know, that's why we're still here 20 years later. Because I'm sorry, the WB's marketing was amazing. Yeah. So I always thought that the What's My Line uh, cliffhanger was more effective just because you had to wait a whole week. This, that's true. And on a personal note, which is why I still love Buffy 20 years later, the whole Monday, Tuesday thing was the thing that kept me alive. I was in a very, very bad, bad, bad place in my life at this age. And I was making a plan to do bad things to myself. But I was like, no, I'm going to hang on and just find out what happens on the next episode. And then it was, and then next Tuesday, and then next Tuesday, and then next Tuesday. The show really helped me get through a really, really bad time in life when I had Mm -hmm. nobody else except for this show. Mm -hmm. And again, it was was myself self-therapizing and trying to trick my brain into saying, okay, I won't kill myself because Buffy's on tomorrow and it's a two-night event. And then I have to find out what happens after so this but, that's my big confession that i've always been meaning to get to with these why i love Buffy, why i love Buffy, why it is so meaningful but that's the thing we do i mean i still do things like that not to that extent but still like i need to know i can't i can't kill myself haha because i have to see what happens with star wars or i need to i mean it's yeah, a I mean, thing I, we I, do I, as fan and it's, and it's an important thing it's a good thing so yes. thank goodness for buffy because you're here and we're able to talk about this stuff so these later, two so. episodes now as an adult as a 43 year old woman i'm like yeah it's kind of schmaltzy and they're teens and they are what they are and you know oh the melodrama but at the time man i needed to know like, I needed to know. So, as problematic as he is, I'd like to publicly thank Joss Whedon and the cast and crew of Buffy for getting me through, like, the worst time of my life and seeing me out the other side with these two episodes. That's my big... I'm sorry. I was very heartfelt. And annoyed no, I, it's so, it's totally cool. Yeah. I went through a very similar thing. I mean, it was slightly later in the run of the show. It was more during season three. But I did have a very dark period in my life where it was... I can't do anything to myself because I need to find out what happens next week. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very similar thing. And I know that there's a lot of people who had similar reactions to this show. It was a show that resonated a lot with young girls who were trying to sort themselves out emotionally. And at a time in their lives when they tended to be very vulnerable. So I think it was extremely important. Yeah, I mean, I can see all the problematicness now. And then for those of you guys that didn't start at the beginning or were 10 years older or 10 years younger, you know, Logan, you didn't start watching this until what? This episode. Oh, this was the episode? Wow. Okay, so you were what, like two, three? (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) That's rude. I'm just saying, you're 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 super young and wonderful. Oh, you're making um, me feel even older. I was... Uh, 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe. I was 23, so. I mean, I had the, the luxury of watching things, at least this part, like in strip episodes for the week. Um, I, it was a good cliffhanger. I wanted it, I mean, because I wasn't, I was sort of spoiled with Buffy, but not <laughs> enough. So I actually wanted to tune in tomorrow and find out what happened anyway. Yeah, this was mm-hmm. an epic, epic cliffhanger. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's really good. I mean, dramatically, it's excellent. You know, it's there. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I think that, I mean, this, I think this episode really, really, so well sets up the next episode coming, which all, a lot of big stuff happens. But at the same time, this episode, self-contained in itself, has a lot of really great things that that are their own part and plot of the story. Buffy's birthdays, mm-hmm. you know, its own sort of little subplot with them planning and doing the thing. So I just, yeah. I think these episodes, mm-hmm. and this right. one in particular, I really do enjoy. I I do have one thing that I, I looked up, and I'm trying to figure out what what I. Sh- should be making of this. So, you know, they make a thing about, oh, Buffy just had her birthday, so she's 17 when she and Angel do what Have they sex. do. Consummate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I looked it up. Age of consent in California is 18. It's 18. So what they're doing is actually illegal and yeah. is statutory rape and... I, Especially when he's 200. Well, he's a vampire. And, and yeah. what, what's kind of weird, though, is California's law works so that in cases of this, if the person is younger, is, I think, 16 or younger, the punishment is greater. So there's kind of a gray area between 16 and 18? Apparently. Okay. like let, not, not that it's not illegal. It's just that the, the resulting punishment and the question of whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony has a lot to do with the ages of the two participants. Okay. Cool. So yeah. that 200 year age difference, is that a problem? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's, that's fine problem. when she's 18. Yeah. It's called Romeo and Juliet laws. Say someone is 16 and the other person's 18 and they've been dating. Right. right. A lot of times they'll forgive them. But right. Angel it, is not, this is not Buffy's no. 17 and no, Angel's no. 19. This is Buffy's 17 and Angel's 240 something. And right. I mean, uh, even if you, this is Buffy even and if Angel's you take like the 20, vampire thing out of it, like, Angel's still like 26. 26. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, but but what's it? What I find it, it's kind of interesting because like that's an issue, but it also would have been more of an issue if she had been 16 or younger. Well, I don't right. think the, the fact that she's 17. Angel. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But I mean, as the law is written, the fact that she's 17 is significant, but still doesn't make it legal. Yeah, that, we'll get to that when we get to Angel, when suddenly Connor goes from being 16 to 18 in, like, two months. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah. My, my sure. one little comment, I just have one little note, which is silly, but it's like, when they're in bed, he's wearing boxer shorts, and then when he runs outside in pain, etc., he's fully dressed. And it's like, he's in all this agony, and That's all true. this, like, the world is coming to an end, and he's, like, dying. Oh, the pain, I must found the time dress. to put clothes on to go outside. So, <laughs> in the rain. So It's that Catholic guilt. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't ha- we couldn't get the shirtless scene now we had to like he had to put a shirt and a jacket and pants on well we had so. the shirtless scene earlier and also it's it's right. raining isn't it and yeah, yeah. it is raining yeah. so yeah we need He's screaming all the in the dramatic rain and everything yeah i just so. thought it was really funny it's like oh i'm in agony i'm dying i've lost my soul but i'm gonna put pants and a shirt and a jacket on first <laughs> well, well, it is- well you know it's raining <laughs> <laughs> well i think that 
brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. Yep. Next time we'll be reviewing, obviously, the second of this two-parter, Innocence. So until then, grr arg. Grr arg. Grr arg. Grr arg. Grr arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday for Innocence. Grr. Arg.